0: Well, have a seat everybody. We're gonna get this thing started. Well, it's been a long minute since I've last been up here to be able to speak with you folks this morning. Um, So, I know uh, some of you might be like, oh no, he's up here again, so if that's the case, then you're gonna have to suffer through me today. Um, well, this morning, we've been going through the Bible study, What some of our favorite Bible stories of the Old Testament. Um, so this morning, we're going to take a look at one of the most iconic stories in the Bible. Um, it's a story that starts everything off, and, um, and it's such a rich story. So there's a lot of points I've got, I, I can make. And Tommy, Thomas has given me an hour to do so, so I have an hour, and I have 24 points to go through. So, no, I'm just kidding. I, I don't have time. It'll be, it'll be quick. Um, so the question is, why is this creation story so important to us? We have, in the book of Genesis, if you don't already know, which some of you may know, we have two creation stories. Um, scholars believe that Genesis chapter 1 through verses 2, uh, in chapter 2, verse tw- 3, is one story of creation. And then from chapter 2, verse 4 to the end of 3, there's another creation story. It's kind of like how we have four gospels, um, it serves a, a different point to a different audience for a different context that they're in. So it's important for us to remember that. These stories stories given to us in the Bible were not written in a vacuum. They were written for a certain people at a certain time, in a certain context, to convey a certain message. So Genesis 1 is a story, and it should not be taken literally. It's a theology story, not a scientific story. This story was told over and over again, passed down from generation to generation as they sat around the fire or the dinner table or as they put their kids to bed. This was a story that people of Israel told when they were in their own land, when they were brought into captivity under Egypt or in exile under Babylonian rule. And this story was a story of hope and love. This was a story that fathers and mothers and grandfathers and grandmothers told to their children and passed it down to their children and to their children's children. This was a story that emphasized who God is and what we are and what the world was designed to be. So this story is so theologically d- deep that I have an hour to preach it to you know? <laughs> So we're going to start off, and I'm going to play a dramatic reading of this scripture. Um, and in the meantime, we, I tell my students, you, need, you have the responsibility to be engaged with what you're reading. So if it's taking notes while this is being played, or reading along with your Bible... Or even drawing pictures on a piece of paper just to stay engaged. Or even if it is, closing your eyes so you can visualize what the story is telling us. Feel free to do so. Um, We have Bibles in the back. You have your apps probably in your phone. So, Bram, I mean, Raf? Kick it.
2: Let the water under the sky be gathered to one place, and let dry ground appear. It was so. God called the dry ground land, and the gathered waters
1: he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said,
2: Let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. It was so. The land
1: produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said,
2: Let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night.
1: And to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there
2: was morning, the fourth day. And God said, Let the water teem with living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth, across the vault of the sky. So God created the great creatures
1: of the sea, and every living thing with which the water teems, and that moves about in it, according to their kinds. And every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said,
2: Be fruitful and increase in number, and fill the water in the seas, and let the birds increase on the earth.
1: And there was evening and there was morning, the fifth day. And God said,
2: Let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it
1: was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good.
2: Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness
1: Chapter 2 Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created.
0: Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for being the creator of all things, Lord. We thank you for putting things into place, for creating us in your image, for all the beauty that you have brought to this world, the world that we live in. Lord, today we stand before you and we ask that you breathe upon us, that your presence will be with us and that you would speak to us this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So, what do you think about that text? Different story if you think about it, just separated from one another. In this story, there's no garden. In this story, there's no man that's in the garden at first, and then a woman is constructed from the rib of that man. Um, But it's a different type of creation story that we have here. And in this story, and this is my first observation, in this story, God acts like like an artist. He starts off by saying, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And this artist, this God, takes these raw materials, things that was already there, And we're not told where these things came from, but we can assume that they came from God. But, like an artist who gets their materials together, they have a piece of canvas, and Hope might know more of this than I do, but they get their canvas, and maybe they're all pastels and their watercolors, and it's just raw. There's nothing there. But God, the artist, uses what's there to create this world. A world which gives life. So God's Spirit, the breath of God, the pneuma of God, moves on what was there and brings forth life. And he brings forth light out of darkness. And in doing so, God separates the darkness from the light. Now think about this. How does Israel hear this story? Israel and themselves entered some really dark places in their history. They were once slaves in Egypt. They were in exile under the Babylonians. They were even under the rule of the Roman government. So, this creation story is about the possibilities of what God can do for them. This creation story gives people hope. God is able to reach into those dark places. And bring about life and light. If God is present with us, and if God breathes upon the situation that we're in, God can create a new situation for us. God did it before, and He can do it again. How many of us have been in these dark places, and God created a new situation? out of the brokenness, and out of the rawness of our circumstances. All we needed was for God's Spirit to move upon it, to breathe into that situation and create something life-giving to something that was so horrible, so painful, so dark. Professor John Golden Gay, a scholar at Fuller Theological Seminary, gives us this quote, and he says, so when people heard this creation story in Genesis, as well as telling them about something God did way back then, it affirmed for them what God, that God could be their creator now. You know, this past year was one of the hardest years of my life. Um, at my workplace, something happened that crushed my soul and shattered my spirit. I, at, at the beginning, I didn't want to show up for work. I didn't want to be there. I felt betrayed and abandoned. I felt ashamed and broken. I felt depressed. I lost hope. And I didn't think I would make it to this point, to this part of my life. But somehow God took me out of that dark place and spoke into the situation and breathed into it and brought it to a place where I can now say there's light. That's what the story does for us. God took me out of the darkness and said, let there be light and brought light to the situation. My next observation is about planet Earth. It says God then separates the water from the land. God provides us a place to live and dwell. God created a world that can sustain life. Now, water can be dangerous. It's necessary for life, but too much of it can be hazardous. We can drown if there's too much water. We just witnessed this past month by looking at Kauai and Hawaii Kai and Waimanalo. What water can do when it's not separated from the land. Water can take out roads and destroy a vast amount of land and even the houses that we live in. So could it be that global warming and greed and consuming all the earth's resources is contributing to undoing the thing that God has created. My third observation, we'll call it Starry Nights. On the fourth day, God, the creator, once again speaks into things into existence. And this time, his role is like an electrician. This time God creates the sun and the moon. He creates a timepiece for Israel to know the days and the weeks and the years and the seasons. It signified when festivals were to begin, a time when they should start their Sabbath or have their Passover meal. And God puts the stars in the sky that helps people determine where they are and what direction they need to go to. John Golden Gate calls these, the sun and the star, kind of like lamps in the sky. God put these two graces sources of light into the sky. And to the people of those days, this was a profound statement. Imagine that you're the people of Israel and the neighboring nations. That are around them are people that worship the sun and the moon and the stars and believe in astrology and depend on the sun and the stars to tell them what God is, what they believe their God is doing. What this story did was take those entities and say, You know those things that you worship? Uh, yeah. Our God created them. They're just lampposts in the sky. I don't know why you're worshipping them. This was their creator. A God that created things that other people worship. Their God was above their gods. The last observation I have, observation 24. Imago Dei. So the reason this creation story is so important to us and our theology is that it gives us a glimpse of what heaven is like. A world as it was before sin and depravity entered into the world. It gives us an understanding of how God created things to be. God created a world that is good. Then the story comes to a climax and I think that the creation of humanity is our favorite part. And that's because I think sometimes we're so narcissistic, we want the story to be about us. But there was five, six of a story that was being told. It's kind of like, you know, when you go to a party and then the person up there is thanking everybody and like, I hope they say my name, I hope they say my name even though you didn't do anything and you don't deserve any recognition. you're like, Ah, shocks, they didn't call my name out. We want to hear about us, and sometimes we forget the rest. There's a line within the scripture that states, and it's three words, and it says that, and this three words changes everything. It says that we were created in our image, in God's image. The word Adam, it's the word that we translate as Adam. And this word is translated literally as man or mankind. Adam is not a specific name as we may understand it. You know, um, Adam comes from the word Adamah. Adama means ground. So Adam means person from the ground. And I just told you that because I want to sound smart. But, and that's my own insecurities, but whatever. Um, but God created Adam. And Adam represents humanity. Humankind. okay? And humankind or humanity is created in the image of God. This creation story, unlike Genesis 2, God creates Male and female at the same time. He doesn't separate them. And both male and female are created in the image of God. See, before sin entered into the world, God created and designed us to be equal. So sometimes... This scripture can be scary for us if we're insecure in our manlyhood and in our roles as a man. But this story should be also freeing for us that all the responsibilities does not have to lie on on just the shoulders of men. One of our core values of Ohana Christian Church is this. We value ethnic, social, economic, and gender equality in all aspects of ministry. That is in our core values. Our second core value, or another core value we have, is that we value every person as made in the image of God and deeply loved by God, and as such, should be treated with kindness, dignity, and respect. And these values are based off of our understanding of this creation story, so we have often talked and behaved as if the male was, um, as if the male was the normal and the full image of what it means to be human, with the female being a deviant and slightly inferior form. Sometimes, some um, traditions of Christianity has done that. But John Golden Gate says this. Both male and female belong to the image. You have the image of God represented in humanity. Only when you have both men and women there. When women are not present and involved in God's work in the world and in the church, the image of God is not present. I've been taught... And I've come to experience this, that healthy relationships are, is reciprocal. I give to you, you give back. It's a mutual respect for one another, where we treat one, with one another with dignity. That's what a healthy relationship looks like. So, now, with this understanding, I've been married for 17 years, um, and <laughs> one clap, thank you, <laughs> um, for my wife probably, <laughs> thanks Richard, <laughs> but there's been times in our lives where Michelle comes home and she's burnt out and tired and it's, I feel like it's important for me to give back and help her out when she needs help. So I might do the chores, or clean the bathroom, do the dishes, whatever it is, so that I can lighten her load. Yet, this past year has been really difficult for me. And I'm grateful for Michelle walking alongside me, letting me vomit out the things that were stuck in the depths of my soul and been there to help me get through the toughest times of my life. She has been my rescuer. And it's this healthy, reciprocal relationship that I believe that's how God designed us to be, to help out one another. When we are deficient in one area, another person is strong. and It's a mutual respect for one another. I believe that's how God created us to be. So what does it mean to be created in the image of God? You know, I have this bracelet. Um, It's called Lokai. I don't know if you've heard of it. And um, I don't know if it's solely Christian or what it is, but I love what they represent. Um, And in each bracelet, they take water from the highest point on earth, on Everest, God's creation. And they take mud from the lowest points on earth, the Dead Sea, God's creation. And they put it in a bracelet, and their motto is this. When you're at the highest point of your life, be humble. When you're at the lowest point of things, be hopeful. Be humble, be hopeful. Even in my classroom, I'm constantly reminding my students that, yeah, you're so special. But you're not that special. I love you for being who you are, you're unique, you, you have a great personality, I love you for who you are, but you're only one out of how many billions? Somehow, knowing where we come from helps us understand who we are. This is why the creation story is so important. And through the life of Jesus, Jesus came to demonstrate what being created in the image of God should look like. He was humble yet hopeful. He came to serve even though he was royalty. We are invited to participate in the the reconciliation and the restoration of God's creation as God's spirit, his breath, his pneuma moves across the world, we can have hope because our God created us in his image. We can have hope because our God who created the sun, the moon, and the stars, and the universe. We can have hope because our God is above all other G.A.D.s. We can have hope because God created a planet that can sustain life. We can have hope because our God can create light out of darkness. We can have hope because our God who created all things loves his creation. We are blessed today Because we are a part of his creation. Let us pray.